Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. I am also looking for the YouTube stream as one of the reasons I'm kind of a couple minutes late into just playing that music over and over is I had to get over to the other stream to see what's going on. And uh, they're trying to connect. They're trying to connect. I don't know if it's up yet, but it may be. It may come up in a little bit, but uh, they have been having some issues at the restream area. It turns out that it seemed they said they couldn't uh, stream to Facebook. That seemed to have started to work. And now it seems like the YouTube channel is finally out and up. So those of you that are checking on YouTube, YouTube is now up as I am looking at it right now. So I think you're in good shape with YouTube, my brothers and my sisters. Yes, we are up. I don't know what happened. I don't, I'm not sure what happened over there. But again, it's our restreamer that had some issues at first. They couldn't, they couldn't connect to Facebook. But anyhow, we are here now. We are here now. Anyhow, we got a great program for you today, folks. I had a great interview with a political analyst out there in uh, Washington, D.C. But uh, before we get there, um, the president's been impeached. All's good. Uh, we, we hope, well, let's say, we hope all is good. But where I want to start is, the, well, let's go ahead and get the program started. I'm a little bit rattled that we had all these issues that we could get all these connections together and all of that. But we are going to get busy right now. Title of the show today, title of the show today is Political Analyst Atiba Madian Discusses Insurrection, Thomas Friedman's Recipe for Democrats, Wrong. You want to hear politics uh, political analyst uh, Atiba Madian on the seditious insurrection on the Capitol, folks. And Thomas Friedman, I need to play you something about what he had to say. Now, one of the, we, we see constantly, we talk about people voting against their own interests all of the times. And we sit back and we, we call them all kinds of names, or many people call them all kinds of names, etc., 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 I am a bit more gracious. I think I'm a bit more humble than that. I'm a bit more to say that a lot of times we are not doing our jobs. A lot of times it's the, a, a lot of the people that we look up to, in my humble opinion, are doing it all wrong. So I want to let you hear what Friedman has to say. And then I'm going to go to some of the messages on the uh, that before I get to the interview. So I'm, I'm going to get to you, Radnin and everybody else, I'm going to get to you. But I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to what Friedman thinks is the problem with Democrats. I didn't get the part where he identified what the problems were with the Republicans. He already said that Republican Party is going to split into two. There is going to be a faction that's going to be irrelevant, the, 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 a wacky faction, and then those that really want to govern. And he wants those that want to govern to hook up with the sensible Democrats to govern as well. I want you to listen to this because he makes some good points, but mostly bad points. If you want to know why Democrats lose, listen to the kind of magic. Listen to the kind of suggestions, advice we get from some of our elitist journalists. Check this out. Then we'll take it on the other side. I, I want you to listen in detail, and then we'll, we'll, we'll definitely take it on the other side. Your advice for the Democrats who are, let's face it, not without problems, weaknesses, 
uh, and bad instincts at times. Yeah, um, look, as I said in that piece, um, you know, some things are true even if Donald Trump believes them. Um, and uh, he didn't win 71 million votes just because they're all QAnon uh, supporters. He, he, um, uh, he touched people. Uh, he, he, he found a gut connection. And there are things Democrats can do. Um, I think that will make it easier for principled Republicans, however few they are, uh, to, to, to really collaborate in the best sense that word with Biden. Stop talking about defunding the police, okay? Um, it's not only a bad idea, it's, a, it, it's just a terrible message. Talk about better policing, all right? You know, um, stop talking about democratic socialism. Talk about inclusive, just capitalism. Uh, talk about not just redividing the pie, but talk about growing the pie. And let's, you know, we, we have to dial down the cancel culture, political correctness in newsrooms and college campuses. It's out of control, and Trump fed off that. It doesn't remotely compare to the cancel culture we saw last week with an entire party trying to cancel an election, but it is destructive, I believe, for broadening the Democratic uh, uh, you know, base and popularity in the country. So the things Democrats can do, too, that I think are, are good policy and good politics. Okay, since there's only one thing that I agree with Brother Friedman with, I'm going to tackle that one first. I don't like the cancel culture either. And progressives, we do have a tendency to have a cancel culture. In other words, we have a platform of one A, B, C, D, E, F. And if everybody doesn't support A, B, C, D, E, F, we completely blow them out of the water. If, we, if somebody wants to come on college campus and talk about something we disagree with, we throw them under the bus to hell with you. We don't want to listen to you, etc. I do not believe in the cancel culture. As you guys see with, with what I do here, I want to hear everybody. I want to hear every point of view. I want to be able to digest every point of view. So therefore, I want to hear everybody. And why do I want to hear everybody? Because many a times, I get good advice even from bad information. Sometimes people tell me stuff that makes no sense. But in telling me stuff that makes no sense, I can actually make, uh, make myself a better communicator based on what they're telling me. So it is important, first of all, that we listen to Friedman on cancel culture. We need to be open. We need to listen to everybody. We need to give everybody a hearing. We don't have to believe everything they're saying. We don't have to follow everything that they're saying. We have to let folks understand that we are willing to listen, and we could be wrong. There's issues that I've been wrong on as a progressive that I've always, that I'm ready to turn on. There was a time I was much more liberal in the way we actually give, uh, give, uh, give out stipends, etc. And I realized that there is some things that you have to change. So no, Friedman is correct about the cancel culture. We need to get rid of the cancel culture. We have to allow people the opportunity to make a mistake. We have to allow people the opportunity to say, I tell people all the time, Sometimes people tell me something and they hold back because they're scared that they'll say it the wrong way and I would take it racially, I'll take it ethnically or whatever, so they back off. I don't want you to back off when you're talking to me. I want you to run the risk of insulting me. I want you to run the risk of telling me something that is going to offend me. 
knowing that offending me is not going to cancel you to me. Right? You have to be able to allow our humanity to emanate. Because I know there are things that I've told gay people, even in my transition of no longer being a gay person, but because of muscle memory in certain things that, that I haven't yet, you know, that, you, that, that is simply correct, I'm stupid about, that I've said the wrong thing. I know with women in saying certain things that I never thought, in as much as I'm no longer a sexist or, a, or, a, or, or anything like that, I know I may ha- a word may come out that it's done wrong. I don't want you to cancel me for that. I want you to tell me, Egberto, hey, you know why that's wrong, man? You don't want to do that, dude. And then I say, okay. So that is one thing progressives, I think, need to get better at, the cancel culture. But let's get to the meat of what this man had to say. Defund the police. Defunding the police. We don't, com- we don't make an issue when we say defund the government. You hear, you hear right-wingers all of the times Talk about defunding the government, starve the government. All these things they use, right? Nobody looks at that as being, that is going to cause you to lose an election. But if we say defund the police, meaning stop the police from killing folks, so therefore take money from the police and put it into, put it into psychological programs. Put it into programs that, that, get, that keep kids out of trouble. Instead of buying armor for police officers, go ahead and buy a basketball court in a neighborhood. If people are playing basketball in a neighborhood, if people are doing good things in a neighborhood, they're not committing crimes, right? So instead of, when we say defund the police, you know what we mean. When the right talks about defunding the government or starving the government, nobody thinks it's going to cost them votes. But what it's causing when you say starve the government, it means the welfare check that a starving person is going to get the government is starved, you can't get it. It means that the child care that somebody is going to get is no longer there. When we say starve the government, it has a material effect on people. And yet we accept that and we don't, and, and, and Brother Friedman, Thomas Friedman, doesn't look at that as saying, oh, Republicans shouldn't say starve the government because it will cost them the election because those people aren't going to vote. You know what Republicans do? They make sure to explain in a lying fashion that starving the government and giving tax cuts magically is going to create jobs. So their people get a lie to justify what they're saying. We should just tell the truth. Defunding the police means taking money away from the police and putting it into health care. Take a health care for a community so that there is less crime. Defunding the police means creating social programs with that money that they always get their money. Some of that money, put it into programs that will reduce crimes. And therefore, police no longer necessary except for crimes, real crimes. That is what defund the police means. Then he talks about, don't talk about democratic socialism. Talk about capitalism. Okay, you know what I think about capitalism. Capitalism is antiseptic slavery. Why not say educate Americans as far as why we have income inequality, wealth disparity? That is what capitalism creates. Teach Americans the truth. That's all you have to do. Tell them the truth. Democratic socialism is free enterprise with social programs. That's democratic socialism. Free uh, social security, uh, Medicare for all, 
Those are the social programs within a free enterprise system, a democratic system where all of us democratically decide what we are going to keep into the public domain and what we are going to keep into the private domain. Instead of thinking that our people are stupid, why not tell them how things are? Democratic socialism mean you can have your health care. COVID would not have been a problem. Democratic socialism also means the following. It means, guess what? If we ask you to close your store for a pandemic, that we are going to look at your books and keep you whole so that after the pandemic is over, we don't have to say you're bankrupted because that was something unforeseen. So the government comes to your rescue because we are asking you to put yourself at financial strife for the better good of society. And therefore, society keeps you whole. There is no small restaurant. There is no small business that should have been worried about closing during a pandemic because the government would make them whole. And when the pandemic is over, we all come back and nobody loses everything. What capitalism says is, I have no soul. Therefore, if a pandemic comes and I, the government forces you to close, shame on you, God, you know. Uh, sorry, you're done. And the big businesses continue to make profits because they now take the business that used to go to small companies. I am not the capitalist saying that. All our capitalists said it. Uh, Fertita here in Houston says, you know why this pandemic is great? Because all those distressed properties, read those guys who had to go out of business because of the pandemic, all their properties are cheap now. And those of us with capital can buy them all up. I didn't say it. A capitalist said it. That is what capitalism is. It is raw. It is antiseptic slavery. And the few with, and it's just like the foundation of our country. We wanted to make sure that the few who had capital maintained their capital at all costs. We go to war to maintain capital at all costs. We go to war to make sure that the few who are entitled remain entitled. And we fool the rest of the population to believe that these guys are there for you. So when Mil uh, uh, Thomas Friedman talks about teach capitalism, tell, don't say anything, just talk capitalism. He's saying, let's continue to lie to America. Let's tell them that they're in some economic system that is good for them. Again, democratic socialism would have said, those private companies, those private companies that don't have customers because we are asking everybody to stay home will be placed on ice. They, we will continue to make sure their bills are paid. And when the pandemic is over and we say everybody can go back to work, Everything is like starts at that point. There's no, per, there's no position there for capitalism. Remember that. Now then he talks about teach people that not to talk about democratic socialism because as long as the pie is growing, the, as long as that pie is growing, it's good for everybody. That is false. If a part of the pie is growing at 7%, which is where the rich people's part of the pie grows, and the average man's pie grow at 2% or does not grow at all, it means that that person whose pie is growing at 7% is taking money and capital from who? You. 
And that is the definition of income inequality and you getting poorer. And they're taking more of your money. This isn't radical. This is math. And you know, a lot of people, those leftist radicals. Sir, people, these are not radical ideas. This is just the truth. What's radical is what they're doing to you. What's radical is taking, it's the only person, the people that win are people with capital. That is what's radical. And the people with capital only got the capital with your work, with your worth, with your intellect, with what you produce. They produce nothing. You do everything. And you know who makes the capital? They do. And we are radical. We are radical for saying we want a piece of what we worked for. You see how magical thinking that's I, I just saw somebody said I think it was uh, I think it was Norman Reynolds who talked about magical thinking. And that's what magical thinking about. When they said let's just grow the pie, you know they're trying to take your money. Anytime they say let's just grow the pie for everybody, and even if that other person's pie grows faster, you're still doing fine. Don't believe that crap. It is just that crap. Please, when they try to tell you you're radical, look out because what that means is they are radical. Before I get to this point, Michael Ryan says, Fight for 15 is hosting a nationwide rallies for a fast food worker strike tomorrow. And he put the link out there in the, in the chat. Please go ahead and check out what Michael Rudden has to talk about that. Meantime, another he has a petition in the link that he says is worth signing. Is it Thursday here? Yes, brother, it's Thursday. YouTube not linked. I got it linked, folks. So let's see. Ayanna Presley, uh, Hope Beaker says, Ayanna Presley, Chief of Staff, Sarah Onak said uh, in a recent interview that the panic buttons, she, yes, I saw that. They all were missing. These people were going into that, that place to assassinate those Congress people. They had the panic buttons jammed out, removed. It's amazing. Nobody knows when it happened. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Paul Fleming says, when I worked in the fast food business, I would get some of my bonus to my full-time employees who were struggling. Fast food is biased on part-time work, based on part-time workers. You're so right, sir. Uh, let's see what else here. Egberto, if you can please read out the two. I just did. So I got your point, my brother Rudnan. Thank you for bringing that information to us. Welcome aboard. Let me welcome everyone. No, I'll welcome you guys at the end let, because I'll have more people then, okay, let's see if there's anything else I need to say real quick. Democratic socialism has some bad messaging, largely in the mainstream media. Yes, but it's all from the Powell Manifesto. They had to do that because it is so logical. It is so not radical that they had to create a fallacy of radicalism so that they would brainwash people into believing that things that are good for them somehow is radical. Do not fall for the lie. Do not fall for the lie. There is what Norman said. Friedman, magical thinking with a hint of racism and intellectual superiority. There is no cancel culture, Egberta. The purity test is common in all politics. Um, Norman, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to tell you, Norman. I went ahead and did something that I probably shouldn't have, but I think I needed to. I used their terminology to talk against their terminology. Cancel culture is what they said, not allowing other points of view. And that is what was happening at Berkeley and a lot of these places. When those right-wingers attempted to go and talk, uh, they had riots and all of that. I don't believe that. I want those right-wingers talking. 
Because I think the best antidote for a right winger is for them to talk. It's for them to talk and then for others to do the explaining. Because I think they do a very good job of showing that they're mathematically impossible to exist in, in what they claim to support. So I, I think that is what's so important about making everybody talk. It isn't capitalism when you say, save the car, bank, and the airline. It's so You're absolutely right, sir. Capitalism means my money is tied up. Learjet, it, yeah. <laughs> I love that one, Julie Henderson. That was a good one. Okay, uh, let's see. What else? Breeze MCP says, Trump's speech is probably defensible in every court, except perhaps the U.S. Senate. A look at the very... Uh, I understand where, where they're coming from, and I think that statement was actually correct because he, he made it so obtuse. I mean, the guy was obtuse. Uh, Robert Lewis, the pie will never split equally. That is a problem with capitalism. Amen. Daniel Ledo, Egberto seems more than willing to accept any wild conspiracy theory regarding the rat on Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill, sir. And yet, at the uh, same time, completely immune to applying the same to the election. Uh, no, I'm not actually. Uh, the things that I'm talking are factual, sir. I think you already know that. I, I, I don't think I need to say that twice. Anyhow, folks, before we move on, I want to ask you, those of you that are on YouTube, please consider becoming part of our posse. Go to uh, click on that join button and join our YouTube posse. Uh, not my name. It was placed by Bridge MCP, one of our great supporters. Bridge MCP named it the PDR Posse. So if you are on YouTube, please click on that uh, join button to become a member. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, just go to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, and that will give you a video to say, hey, come on, guys, please become a supporter of Politics Done Right. Alternatively, you can support us by becoming what we call a patron. There are different options of becoming patrons. Go to politicsdoneright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsdoneright.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n or as usual we all accept paypal politicsandright.com slash paypal politicsandright.com slash paypal now we also have a book that book that you see on screen it's worth it how to talk to your right wing relatives friends and neighbors please go ahead and consider getting my book it's a good book. It talks about how to talk to other people, people who may not want to hear what you have to say. But if you follow some of our techniques, I'm pretty sure you'd like it. And Tank, take that message away. You don't want to burn my book. You want to read my book, Tank. In fact, if you read my book, Brother Tank, I think you would make a change. Now, I, the link I gave you is from Amazon where you can get all of my books, including, as I see it, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right Wing Doom, and It's Worth It. And of course, you know, I had weight problems at the time and I created a little weight loss book as well. I'm working on the book that I promised you guys last year, but I'm going to get it out this year. I'm working on that right now as we speak. Anyhow, folks, so please consider becoming a part of our posse by just click on that join button. Or if you want, you can click on that dollar sign thing down there. It says, hey, I want to support you guys. I want to support you with a super chat and I'll be most happy with that as well if you want to get around the and by the way you can buy or you can you can get our hood hood hoodies and all that good stuff there as well as t-shirts and if you want you can go to our store and get everything at our store to cut out the middle person so thank you so kindly okay folks it is time for us to get to our interview i think you're gonna like this one 
Ativa Madian. Let's go ahead and go there, and then we'll take it on the other side. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We are here with Ativa Madian. Uh, he is going to discuss quite a bit. We have, we're going to talk about that uh, thing that happened on Wednesday, and then he has some other stuff to tell you. Welcome aboard, Ativa. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am doing fine. I think, however, I need to tell people who you are. So Atiba Madian is a political analyst, author, and former deputy executive director of the National Black Caucus of State Legislators. Madian is one of the Democratic strategists who helped Senator-elect Reverend Rafael Warnock of Georgia. He's a Washington insider and president of Party Politics U.S. He has been featured and seen in The Hill, Financial Times, and Boston Globe. My friend, I am honored to have you on the show. I know you have a whole lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and start about that ruckus that we had on Wednesday. And I don't call it a ruckus. I call it exactly what it is. The attempt, I'm from Central America. It is the, that is what we see in what most Americans call banana republics. That's what we see down there. It had the exact view, no difference. Your thoughts on that? Listen, when I was a kid, first off, thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to say, when I was a child, I had opportunity to live overseas. My father's job took us to live in Bamako, Mali for two years. And I'll never forget, we left in May of 1983. And in June 1983, there was a coup or the, an attempted coup. And I cannot help but think that what we just saw happen last Wednesday was an attempted coup. You mentioned about Banana Republic. We saw an insurrection. We saw a bunch of people get together who normally we might see something happen in another country. And we're like, who are those crazies? Well, the crazies were right here. And, um, you know, this whole idea of patriotism, that is traitors. These were traitors that we saw, traitors who are upset because of the outcome of an, of an election. But I think that we also have to get to the crux and we aren't talking enough about what was it because we keep wanting to say that Trump was the beginning of this. I think we really have to look deeper in terms of further past racism. Is it racism? Yes. Is there sexism? Yes. Um, is there elitism? Yes. We got to get deeper to this because I think that the the, the corrupt things that we keep seeing, the root of it is always money and, and not being able to access money or opportunity. And we, we've got to talk about this, I think, in a, in a, in a, in a lot. Now, Ativa, before we even get there, I want, to, I want to make our audience aware of something because a lot of, a lot of folks see some of the stuff, the initial thing that they see on TV, and they just see a whole rowdy bunch of people attacking, a, you know, breaking a few glass glasses, et cetera, at the, um, at the Capitol. But I want the people to understand that we had people's lives really at risk. We had pipe bombs. We had Molotov cocktails. We had all these things that were, we had people that had ties to uh, kidnap. We, we had all these things that would be present in a coup. And it just happened to be that it was poorly prepared. They were poorly prepared. They got overwhelmed and they didn't get their job done. But I think it is important for people to understand that the coup attempt was real. Um, now, let, you, you, you pointed out earlier. I have one other thing. Go ahead. They also had a biological weapon available. Oh, that's new to me. Please enlighten me. COVID. Oh, 
Oh, <laughs> my friend, that is so true. Uh, expl explain that for those who are going to be hard to, to take that. Let them hear they're, they're saying that there were 8,000 people. We know that this virus that has plagued us is it's, 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 it's rampant throughout our society. We've got almost 400,000 people dead from, you know, my uncle has been in the hospital with COVID, 93 years old. His daughter is now in the hospital because she went to go care for her father because a caregiver came to their home with a cold, thinking they just had a cold, and it turned out to be COVID. So now imagine 8,000 people descending on the Capitol, many of them not wearing masks, though we know that there is a mask mandate in D.C., many of them not um, uh, social distancing because they were all clamored right. all together. And then we see now that there are several congressional members, um, including a 75-year-old uh, congressional woman who is a breast cancer uh, thriver, survivor. So these people came into the Capitol. They possibly spread a virus amongst themselves, let alone also to congressional members. And now it's also getting to us that these congressional members that were in a room, close quarters, who declined to wear a mask because they're like, let's not get political about this, actually did not want to wear masks Potentially because should someone, these insurrectionists, these people attempting a coup had come into the room, they would have known that, oh, they're with us because they're not wearing a mask. It is crazy. I blogged about that one. Yeah, you're talking about Bonnie Watson Coleman. She's the one who got infected. And then there's uh, uh, Pravi, uh, pra Jayapal, Pramila Jayapal from Washington. She got infected. She's same room. And a couple of other uh, Congress people got infected because of all these folks not wearing masks. And uh, so, so that is interesting. I want to remind folks, you know, people think that uh, we are so exceptional, right? These, these things don't happen here. They, they need to remember that back in 1933, on, they also tried a coup against... Uh, Franklin Roosevelt. So, I mean, it is it is one thing to kind of think these things don't happen here. But as you mentioned earlier in your statement, um, uh, Atiba, you mentioned that a lot of this has to do with money. A lot of this happened to do with certain folks with money making investment to ensure that what they are doing remains preeminent. So uh, I think that is important for people to understand. Uh, you, I blogged about that this morning. Folks can look it up at egbertowillies.com. Anyhow, um, what do you think is going to be the aftermath of uh, this in, in, um, insurrection? You know, for four years, every day I pick up the phone, wary to figure out, okay, what is the idiot done? And so I, I, whenever I do these interviews, people keep asking me, what do I think is gonna happen? The problem has been, it's been difficult to chart what is going to happen next. What well, we do know, and, and you, your listeners um, already know, there are credible threats on, on our state capitals. What a lot of people don't know is that there were attacks on those very state capitals on January 6th too. Everyone's attention was focused on the U.S. Capitol, but there were um, uh, attacks on Michigan. Michigan was Georgia, Utah, and other state um, legislatures around the country. This thing is real, but yet at the same time, the democracy is still intact, and it will still remain intact. What we were looking to see is what's going to happen on January 20th, because we have a transfer of power. We don't know what uh, Trump is going to do within the next six days. But what we can do is we can remain vigilant. 
we can um, make sure, you know, the, you see those signs at the airport or when you're traveling that says, if you see something, say something. You know, it, there have been a lot of people that have been turning in people who were, who they recognize faces, including people saying that that was their, you know, uncle, etc. So there's a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that we don't know, but there are a lot of things that I think that we have to um, keep focused on. And I'll say, say this last. Congressman John Lewis, and we had his um, chief of staff, former chief of staff on our podcast last night, Chalkboard Conversations. But he wrote in my book in 20 years ago, with faith and hope, keep your eyes on the prize. And I'll be honest, as a 28-year-old young man at the time, I had, did not quite grasp exactly what he meant. But over the course of last year, working on the election, working to see where we got to in January, um, 5th, the day before the insurrection, the attempted coup, I have come to, to understand that it is important for us to keep our faith, hope, and keep your eyes on the prize. What is the prize? We want, we want to end sexism. We want to end all these things, but we cannot do that if we continue to allow ourselves to be distracted by those who, who are trying to hold this country back from moving forward. But we're getting there. And, and, and what happens in the dark comes out in the light. What happened on January 6th is come out in the light. We know what, what, what our opposition is now. We know we have to go after it and fight it. Now, there's something that, that was evident. Most or, or the, majority Amer the, the majority American population, when they, saw the, uh, when they saw what was occurring, they immediately saw, oh, my God, there's something. They're attacking the, the Congress, the Capitol. What folks like me saw, I looked at that and I said, how did they get there? How come some of these cops are opening the gates? How comes these cops are being so friendly? Didn't I remember during the BLM protest in DC that there were guards in the streets and they were met with, with uh, explosives and uh, whatever, uh, shock explosives, etc. Of course I remember that. America got to see themselves doing wrong and how the police reacted to them versus BLM. What are your thoughts on that? What was your first instinct when you saw it? That, that brings up a lot of different things. Um, so please let, thing, let it fly, please. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about it. The first thing is the same thing that I started off every call last week with um, clients. And most of the clients that I report to are white. And I said, yesterday was a travesty. It was a shame to watch. But you know that if, and they all finished my sentence all to a T, a T, but we know if they had been Black, this would not have happened. So I think a lot of things are coming out and it's easier for people to say the very things that we have been saying. For instance, when Black Lives Matter protesters, when all that was going on last year, I got in my car and I drove around that night through Georgetown in Washington, D.C. You know, that's where a lot of our stores are. That's where high-end or higher-end stores. It's where the, the river is. It's a very, you know, nice area. And I am not lying to you. I saw police officers not making themselves present. They were as if they were hiding out, waiting for someone to come 
young black men, as was my assumption, to pounce on them. What we also saw in the city was buildings boarded up, storefronts boarded up, National Guardsmen in the city. This was before people got to the city. January 6th, they knew that there was going to be people coming to the White House. Lafayette Park, which has been closed throughout most of Trump's presidency, was all of a sudden opened up. They had closed it up because they didn't want homeless people there. They didn't want any credible threats. They were the threat and they did not feel threatened, so they opened it up. So we see the difference in the contrast. This is not just about black and white. It's not just about uh, racism. It's about something that's really ugly at the core of who I keep hearing the president-elect say, this is not America. I hear congressional members saying, this is not America. This is America. This is the America that the slaves, this is the America that women, this is the America that immigrants, this is the America we have talked to you about. That these mobs that destroyed Tulsa, that destroyed uh, 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 cities all around the country, Rosewood, um, Chicago, through riots. It's one thing when it's them with their pipe bombs, with their sticks, with their guns. It's another thing when it's just us with a mask, just begging for equality. Stop killing me. Right. Stop killing my son. Stop killing me. Stop banging open my door where in, in my home and shooting and killing me. Stop putting your knee on my neck. That's what this is. So now the rest of the world sees it. The now rest it, of the world sees what we've been saying. Now it is interesting because I, on, on my program yesterday, I made I gave folks an example. I said, when I walk into a store, there are people following me. When a white person work, walk into the store, a lot of times they get a pass. Nobody really cares. I said that is that is a that points to something important you don't realize. The reason profiling never works is that person who is not profiled understand that they are the ones who can do the crime. And if you ever doubt that, go take a look at all those people that get go go to court, get a good lawyer as a person of color, where you are able to go to the section that gives probation. And look at the people in that section compared to the people who will be head in the jails who've done the same crime. And you'd learn exactly what America is. Yeah. Profiling doesn't work. And profiling is exactly what happened, again, for this insurrection. They profile those people that were coming from around the world, either of one things, that they weren't going to be causing enough problems or that they really wanted them to be successful in the particular problem that they were going to cause. Your thoughts? It's true. It's true. Well, it's up to us to keep telling our story and not wait for someone else to tell it. Like often I hear people, well, they don't talk about this. Well, you talk about it. Make America Great Again became a slogan. It became a slogan because someone kept saying it over and over and over again. Misinformation became the norm because someone kept giving it over and over and over again. So it's up to us to tell the truth. And I think part of that truth is to say, they ain't never been for you. You came to Washington, you came up and you're angry at the wrong people. 
the people that you need to be angry with are the very people that got you all riled up. And they got you riled up so much because they've been lying to you. They keep promising you about this dream. Well, let us tell you about the dream deferred. They keep telling you that, you know, they're the nightmare. Pointing to us. When the, uh, the nightmare is the people that keep riling you up. It's no different, honestly. Hopefully I can do a good comparison of the white citizen councils in the South and the KKK. The white citizen council, those were the ones who had the money. The KKK, those were the ones who were, you know, the sheriffs, the police chiefs, etc. The white citizen council, they didn't necessarily have to wear a hood because they were hiding behind their money. They were the ones who were rallying up the KKK and the sheets to go out and do their damage, to be the mob. That's what you saw happen, in my opinion, on January 6th. The White Citizen Council, Trump, came out, riled up the masses. Giuliani riled up the masses and the other ones who got on the stage. But the KKK decided we're not going to wear our hoods anymore. We're not even going to wear our masks because that's a political statement. We want you to see us. Thank you, because now your picture and your faces are everywhere. You and can't that, even get on a plane in some cases. That is what's so funny. They're not all that smart. Because now the same person who sent them all out is getting them all arrested, is getting them, they're all getting records, and their lives are forever changed. Now, let me, uh, we're kind of getting close to in this thing. So let's talk a little bit about uh, party politics. So tell me a little bit about what you do, and then tell me a little bit about your book. Sure. So party politics was the idea that was, was started hanging out with some friends in 20, 2009, 2010, not too long after Obama was president because we had this Tea Party. So you want to talk about insurrection? You had an insurrection within the Republican Party of the Tea Party. And it became this thing where the parties weren't talking to each other. It was a bigger split between the Republicans and the Democrats, even though that was going on way before, um, thanks to Newt Gingrich and some others. And the idea was, how do you bring people together from different sides, whether that was religious, sexual orientation, national origin, together? And the way that you see behind me is this party politics, it was how do you put the party before the politics? So how do you make it fun, attract people together to have these conversations? And um, the party is, is a play on words. You know, people often think of party politics as being divisive. It was how do we make party politics become inclusive? So I'll just give you an example. Back in February 26th of 2020, before everything got shut down, um, thanks to um, Coca-Cola, we hosted an event at L2 Lounge in, in Georgetown in Washington, D.C., a very nice, beautiful, posh place. We invited people. We had Joe Claire, who's a radio personality, to host it. And we showed a movie by the uh, film director, amazing film, um, uh, Mignote Kabibi, who wrote, did a film called What Happened to Chocolate City? And it talks about gentrification. We had a really diverse audience. We had other partners that helped us to invite people. We had probably about... 250 people we were able to give thanks to coca-cola we had drinks and food for everyone so we had the party and then we showed this film which is two hours and no one wanted to leave because the film is that good and we talked about gentrification afterwards and to be honest with you we will go out until 10 11 o'clock and the conversation was so good and we had some of the people that she interviewed for that film there including a, a woman a young lady who's now older but was 14 years old when she felt when she was filming this 
And it was just, it was a phenomenal event. And it really just spoke to the idea that you can make things fun and bring people together to have di difficult conversations. And people might not always agree, but if they come together and they have that food on their stomach, maybe a little bit of drink too, they're a little <laughs> bit calmer and the conversations go a little bit more gentler and people end up finding that they have more in common than, they, than, than different. That is a great organization. Uh, we'll put that in the link as well after we um, air your show. And tell me about your book. So I wrote a book called, it's called Saving Grace. And the main character's name is Anthony Grace. And the book is um, based here in DC and it covers politics. It has some romance and some DC history in it. And the idea too is going back to that idea, make it fun. So the feedback that I'm getting from, from friends now are, um, when is this going to be a movie? Uh, you know, I've wrote it, but I'm going to tell you it's well-written story. Um, and it's taken a lot of the experiences that I've seen over the years working in politics, blended it into a story about an environmental attorney who's been kidnapped. And the story starts off with him not knowing why he's been kidnapped. He's been hit so many times. And as he regains his memory, the reader learns who he is and that this is all attached to a rising political star. Excellent. Well, El Señor Atiba Magian, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, but I usually ask one last question before I go, and it goes as follows. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it always stumps a few. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's because kind of, you asked some really great questions. Um, maybe ask me what I think, um, should the inauguration be inside or outside? Go for it. I think it should be inside. And I actually think it should be at an undisclosed location. I think that the transfer of power and that what's going on right now is too important and too significant to try to um, be arrogant and say, oh, we're going to show um, the example of our power by standing in your face and doing such and such. Regardless of where President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris are when they take that oath of office, they are going to be, he's going to be the 46th president of the United States. And I would like to see that happen in the safest manner um, that is also protecting our former heads of state and the congressional members who will be in attendance to witness uh, the transfer of power in this country. Because unfortunately, we cannot say this is a peaceful transfer. What happened on January 6th is more than evident that this is not a peaceful transfer. Atibe Madian. Washington insider and president of Party Politics US. He has been featured on uh, at The Hill, Financial Times, and Boston Globe. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me. We, well, I hope you enjoyed that, folks. Uh, I don't know, but um, the streamer, if you go to restream.io, the people who restream our data, they said that they're having people report some issues with their connections to Facebook, but that it works. They're connecting with all of our other streaming uh, platforms. So that's why YouTube is working fine. But anyhow, look, thank you so kindly for being here, my brothers and my sisters. Let me see. Julie Henderson says, perfect idea on location. Michael Rudden says, it's a favorite thing to ask your interviewees. Open-ended. Let them talk about whatever they want to when they first come in. Egberto, if you don't want to stump anyone, make sure to tell them that you're going to ask that question at the end of the conversation. No, that's not what I want. I want them, I want to stump them. And a lot of, about 
30 or 40 percent of them say, oh, I don't know. But it actually makes them think of something because a lot of times they, you know, they're 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 there and it brings up something off the cuff. So that is just a style of doing it. It's not a matter of uh, anything exact. Sometimes I stump and they said, I really don't have anything else to ask you. So that's what it's all about, brother. Uh that's that's what it's it's not a it's not a negative thing it's a thing that's open ended for anybody including you Michael Rodman when you come and do my show anyhow or when you come and do our show that's what we should be saying not my not i our 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 anyhow welcome aboard uh, Michael Rodman the duck that quacks Julie Henderson Bridge MCP uh let's see who else is here uh para ver para ver AVQ and of course, we have Daniel Ledo and a new Daniel again. Uh, who riled up? BLM? Maxime Waters, maybe? No. J.A. Gonzalez, ¿cómo estás, hermano mío? Me imagino que hablas español también, porque creo que me has hablado en español anteriormente. All right, let's see who else is here. Uh, para ver, para ver, para ver. Uh, the duck that quack. Nanette Bird Smith, welcome aboard. Uh, Daniel Ledo, welcome aboard. Paul Fleming, welcome aboard. Okay, let's see who else is here. Julie Henderson, I think I got you in. If I miss you, please drop a note at the end and I'll come back down to the end. I got Gonzalez Fontana Ross, welcome aboard. Uh, Tank28, welcome aboard. Let's see uh, who else is here. I may miss a few because, you know, I'm scrolling really fast. I uh, got Norman Reynolds. Welcome aboard. I think I got you already, Norman. Mark Smith from London. Welcome aboard. Uh, let's see, Mark. I got Mark Smith. I think. I think I got everybody up to the top here. I'm almost to the top. Uh, I saw some names earlier that I didn't recognize, but I think I'm scrolling so fast that I'm scrolling past it. All right, folks. Look, thank you. Oh, Bruce Pollard. Welcome aboard. I always say Bruce Pollard, but it's Bruce Pollard. Welcome aboard. Claro que sí, me dice Gonzalez. Claro, hermano. Anyhow, folks, we got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. I thank you guys all for being here again. As I said, if you're on YouTube, please go ahead and click that join button. Become a part of our posse, PDR posse, as stated by Bridge MCP. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. <laughs>